So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing the final part of our series Inheritance. Uh, next week we're going to be doing a new series which we're kicking off which is called Job's. The reason it's called Job's is because we're going to be looking at Job and Steve Jobs at the same time. So if you check out the design that will be up, if you haven't seen it in the email, we, Apollo just did this amazing job. He like cut this head in half and there's kind of like Steve Jobs and then a guess at what Job looked like because there was no flash photography back in the day. <laughs> like, I mean, it's probably the oldest book in the Bible. So um, yeah. So that series is going to be amazing. The reason I'm really excited about that series is because we're going to be looking at a lot of pain, a lot of suffering on Job's part. But actually, um, success is never really achieved without going through pain. Never. Like, literally never. And I mean ever, ever. So, even if we talk in the business world, man, if we look at Steve Jobs, losing his company, having it taken away from him with Apple when he founded it, and then coming back stronger later and bringing it to heights no one could ever have dreamed would have been possible, making it the largest tech company in the world. I mean, you don't get there without pain. Job himself went through crazy, crazy suffering, and God blessed him and enlarged um, his territory and all, all that he had. And I believe God wants to do the same with us, but I feel so often, as soon as pain's involved, we kind of tap out. Um, Jesus uh, achieved the greatest feat ever known, but there was a lot of pain involved that he pushed through with the resurrection. Hello? Um, like, so if Jesus did that, then don't expect him to call you to follow his path and then not to be pain involved um, to achieve the goals that he has laid out for us, which is why we're looking at just two really, really inspirational kind of powerful profiles. Today we're talking about inheritance, which has got me really, really excited. So we're going to be looking at Psalm 2. I, I am like, I, mm, like, I'm not a Psalm guy. I'm totally not. Like Psalms is a book I've avoided like most of my life. But other people are like, oh my gosh, man, just go check out this Psalm. And I'm just like... No, no, just no. I've, I've never really enjoyed them, but today we're going to be looking at it. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? It's so short, we'll read the whole thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry with you and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Do you know what's the craziest thing? I hadn't actually read it in this Bible until turning up today, which is really weird. I read it mainly on my phone last night as I was looking through it and on my laptop on the, on the train and, and at home. And this Bible actually wasn't my Bible. A guy came into a shop I used to manage and he bought this Bible and it had a, def a defect. And so he kind of gave it in like, oh, it's got a defect. Get me a new one. I got him a new one. And I was allowed to keep the original because I was the manager of the shop. So the defects, they don't really go anywhere. So I, I got to keep this one. And he's underlined the verse I'm speaking on today. I was just like, that is so dope because I just, I don't really, when I get a Bible this nice, it's Cambridge, man. 
I don't underline things, man. I just keep that for realsies, like keep that crisp. And I was like, jeez, would you look at that? He's underlining and making notes for my own sermon for me. This guy, I should have checked this earlier. Jeez, man, could have saved me a lot of hassle. So today we're going to be looking through um, this particular Psalm, Psalm 2. It's the second Psalm, clearly, by the number 2. It's written by David, um, most ascribed to David. It's ascribed to David by um, Peter when he's doing some long preach in Acts chapter 4, which we're going to look at and we're going to touch out later. Um, The first three verses I really, really love. Um, It talks about why do the nations rage, which actually translates more as noisily assemble. So I just picture the Avengers being involved in Psalm 2. That's just how much of a waste man I am. Um, And it says, let's break away from him. So the nations are um, Avengers assemble. They're kind of getting together with a view and an end goal of breaking the cords of what God has for them. So the cords, this idea of like a way of living, a way of life, a way of doing things, and they're conspiring in a way of separating themselves for the plans that God has for them. So when this was kind of written, it was totally relevant. Um, When Jesus came, because this is also considered by many a a messianic psalm talking about Jesus, um, that was totally true of his time where the people would kind of cut off those tithes from God in the flesh in front of them rejecting him wanting to be um, crucified and they assembled together different nationalities all in one place choosing it um, throwing that down so there's different ways that different people have looked at this and what I also love in verse 4 to 6 is he who sits in heaven laughs which I just found that hilarious because it goes, the Lord holds them in derision. He will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury. I love that bit. It's almost like, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I read that in Psalm 2, what I get is I get God, God kind of doing two things in really quick succession. So it's kind of like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, you know what I mean? You know those ones in the playground, you think, oh, cool, cool. He's laughing at me. And then he's like, bang. Or he wants to bang out. And you're like, oh, geez, I actually thought he found that funny. <laughs> I am totally screwed right now. That's kind of what's happening here. They're kind of doing their thing. God's like, <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> and he's like, oh, geez. So it's kind of like, um, he laughs and then switches. So that's what he does. He laughs and then he switches. So God kind of takes it up a pace. It's like it escalates really quickly. And the, the saying that he says in his fury terrifying them, as for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I have set my king. He has set his king, his authority. He has laid it down. You guys want to cut off your cord? You want to do your own thing? Cool. But he is laying it down. This is my position. This is my king. This is the way of living. This is his rule. This is what it looks like. And then in verse 7 to 9, we have something really um, insane that takes place. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod and iron or rule them. It's just poetic in the psalms as break it's kind of a picture of ruling them strongly with power and authority and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel so when we see this the the bit that's actually crazy crazy insane is the word ask that's the that's the really deep and meaningful bit because in the whole of the scriptures you see god say kind of ask three times so if we're going we're gonna to kind of zoom in and focus in on that for a second. So with Solomon, he said, ask what I shall give you. Ask what I shall give you. You want something from me? Ask what I shall give you. And then Solomon, God knew what Solomon's heart was. He knew what he'd asked for. God sets it up and Solomon asks for wisdom. Solomon asks for wisdom. Now, how 
you and I understand wisdom is totally different from how they understand wisdom. Totally different. The Hebrew people saw words as being different. Words had a whole life and dimension to them on their own. So a word was like a whole new reality. So even before, a word doesn't even have to be spoken for it to be a whole new reality. So when the writers in the, in the New Testament speak about Jesus being the word of God, like in the beginning was the word, the word hadn't even been spoken yet. He, it, like in the beginning, like before that, the word, before it was even spoken was Jesus. The, the word had power. It had a, uh, its own existence and independence from anything else before it was even spoken out. And that time when we look at word, what they understood and the way that the, the, the Hebrew people under, understood this and when that was being said by John is they saw God as wisdom personified. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways, his thoughts, they're high above. And they would talk about wisdom like wisdom was a person. So in Proverbs, it talks about wisdom as an actual person going about making decisions. So people, when they've looked back, have ascribed to Jesus that he was the wisdom of God in the Old Testament, that he was the personified, moving, walking, living, breathing wisdom. So Solomon asks for something and God said, God and Solomon said, God asked Solomon, what does he want? And he says wisdom and God gives us wisdom. We receive the, the, the word in flesh and blood. And Solomon, like if you look at his writings, you can totally see that he had an encounter with wisdom as a person. Because all of a sudden, this guy who has everything is going, everything's meaningless, man. And everything's meaningless except one thing, which is exactly what it is. Taste and see the Lord is good. You taste and see who Jesus is, and you detest and you turn from every other way. Solomon tried every single other way and goes, well, this, this is it. Everything else is just meaningless. It has no point. Then the second time where God says, ask, is he says it to Ahaz. So the first time with Solomon, ask me what you want, and it's wisdom. And God gives us the person of wisdom in Jesus. With, with Ahaz, Ahaz has got bare man moving to him. He's got like all the surrounding nations have all ganged up together, like rags us on, and they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna attack and they're going to kill and finish them. And it says that the people of Israel, they, they shook like trees in the forest shake, which is the original Hebrew, man got shook in it. So like what happens... As Ahaz is so, so scared, is God says, ask from me a sign. Ask from me a sign. And so God is doing, whenever God says ask, it, like even if you don't ask for it, it's coming. Like it's coming. It doesn't matter if you ask. He, he sets it up. And then Ahaz literally says to God, I want to ask a sign. At which point God returns and says it for the first time, originally in the Hebrew, for, and we see this in WWE. It doesn't matter if you ask. Like God gives him a sign like that. It's not even joking. Like Ahaz says, I will not ask for the Lord a sign. And God's like, it doesn't matter if you ask. God literally says, behold, a virgin will be with child. And his name will be Emmanuel. And he will be God with us. And when Ahaz has this, he says to God like, no, no, I don't want it. I don't want it. And then he turns and he has this moment where he's doing the Independence Day speech to the army about to fight. They're about to have to go and bang when they're outnumbered. And God's word is that a virgin is going to have a baby. I'm not going to lie, man. If I was in that army, I'd be vexed. I'd be like, you know what, man? I'm going to miss this one. You know, I'm, dip I'm, I'm dipping out. I'm fully not involved. That is not the battle cry that I wanted 
The alien invasion is here. They're about to wipe us out. And if the president stood up and gave that speech on Independence Day, I'm telling you, man, the planet gets wiped out. It's a dead speech. It's like, that doesn't happen. That won't happen. You're a waste, man. Sharp. Someone else. Someone else give the hype talk, man. Someone else give the smackdown. So anyway, so Ahaz has this moment where God says, ask for me a sign. And um, actually, there's another bit to that sign. I've given you like the, just that, that bit. That's the... That's not the dead bit, that's a great bit, but it's better than that. He says, I will give you a sign as high as heaven and as deep as Sheol. Once again, we're talking all about Jesus. Not just from the fact that a virgin will be with child, not just from the fact that Emmanuel, God, will be with us. The word became flesh, the wisdom that was spoken about with Solomon becomes flesh and blood. And that is what Ahaz is speaking about. There's a flow from the asking straight from Solomon, straight through to Ahaz. Virgin will be with child. As high as heaven, as deep as Sheol, he who ascended, Paul says, is also he who descended. Talking about God being um, flesh and blood, being in heaven, coming down to earth, also descended down into the depths of of Sheol and um, took captivity captive. Jeez! Um, And then what happens here is we have this psalm. And you know what's crazy? Is everyone I'm talking about is kind of a king. So Solomon has, has his... Solomon has his moment... Ahaz has his, and this has been attributed to David, but we're, only because of what Peter says that we assume it's David. Um, and, and this one is, ask of me. And this is actually the first one. So we see it in a different order because where Psalms comes and because the others are kind of like um, not kind of a po- poetic um, book. But this is kind of the first one. It says, ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. That's what he says. That's what he says. And you know what is so just absolutely amazing and inspiring for me? Is that when we get to Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are before the council. They're in huge trouble. Their lives are on the line. And after they've just given just the most amazing and inspirational talk, it says in verse 23 of Acts chapter 4, When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had to said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant had said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Psalm 2. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city, there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, these different nations, these different peoples gathered together, different worldviews, different values, united in breaking the bonds of what God had for his people. With the Gentiles, all the others except for the Israelites and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had, had predestined to take place. And now, the Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word with boldness. Oh my word. It's just... It's just absolutely insane. So when we look at Psalm 2, there's there's so many, oh, there's so many just angles on this. There's um, a Rabbi Huna who said, suffering is divided into three portions, one for the patriarchs and all the generations of the men took, 
one, the generations that lived in the time of the persecution took, and one, the generation of the Lord, the Messiah, will take when the time comes, the Holy One, blessed be He, will say, I must create the Messiah, a new creation. As the scripture says, this day I have begotten thee. That is, on the very day of redemption, God will create the Messiah. That is so insane because that was written like 200 years after Jesus by a Jewish rabbi that doesn't accept Jesus as Messiah. And yet he's, he doesn't realize it. He's like preaching Paul's like, Jesus, a new creation, and that we are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And the whole thing about what this whole psalm is hinging on and what makes Acts chapter 4 so freaking special is that when we look at Psalm 2, it says, as quoted by Peter, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. So he's like, this happened right here today. We saw it. We saw for the first time the children of Israel united with the Gentiles, rejecting this Jesus and then bringing us out, dragging us out here, trying to move to us, wanting to take our lives. And then what happens is God laughs. God moves ahead with his plan because he set out his king and it doesn't matter what anyone does because his king has been crucified. His king has risen from the dead. His king will reign for all eternity. And what happens here is as they're in this room, the Holy Spirit comes. The room is shaken. They feel the power of the Holy Spirit move in their lives. And do you know what happens? They start to see God receive his inheritance and the nations start to come to Jesus. They came together to break the cords. They came to smash it. They came to crush it and actually out of the very event in the time of, of, of Peter and John when the nations colluded against Jesus, the nations colluded against them and tried to step out and tried to stamp out what God was doing and what his plan was. God just poured out his spirit and he started to go, well, rags is on. I'm going to have the nations as my inheritance. And if you don't believe it's true, if you look around the room right now, what's sitting here, I don't see a single Jew in the room. I see people from all over the world in different points of time, different backgrounds that have now received Jesus because he's having his inheritance and he will have the nations as his inheritance he will have them here and now and today and the great thing about this is he's our inheritance but the good news is this morning is you are his inheritance and that God takes his delight in you and who you are and that you are valuable to him and actually the best thing about it is that he doesn't just call you to be his inheritance he calls you to be joint heirs with his son Jesus that not only is it through Jesus that we receive our inheritance but we join with him in his plan for him to receive his inheritance. And so you see, today when we came here and we all came from our different angles or different backgrounds and stuff like that, and some of us, we look around and we're like, oh man, you know what? Oh, it is so hard being a Christian. It is so hard doing this. Oh man, I tried sharing my face the other day and the guy nearly knocked me out. This, is, this isn't going how I thought this was going to go. Like, like, these guys came back gassed that they hadn't been knocked out. We come back going like, geez, I nearly got knocked out. Like, are you kidding me? They, they thought they were going to lose their life. They came back going, oh Yes, this is Psalm 2. This is Psalms 2. We made it out of there. That's insane. And then they got filled with the Holy Spirit and were emboldened to go out. Because, and, and because they were, we've received our blessing. It talks about, at the end of Psalm 2, about kissing the sun, showing the respect and the homage and the warning that goes with that. And it's also in John 3... 36 whoever believe in the son has eternal life whoever does not obey the son shall not see life but the wrath of god remains on him which is what psalm 2 is about it's not just all it's not all just roses it's like a it's like it just got real kind of psalm 
Like it, it, it's both of those things. The reason that matters for us today is I think we're too negative and for no good reason. I think we're way too negative. I think we're way, I think, I think we're like Ahaz and his guys, man. We're just some shook utes. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I think, I, I look around, I chat to different guys and different Christians and, and like, man, I'm like, man, what are, you, what are you scared of? Any of the problems you have are your own foolishness of saying dumb stuff, walking up to someone like Benny Hinn, like, of course you've got problems, man. You tried to wear a white suit to the pub and go, like, like flipping, you thought it was a tango ad, man. You walked up to some guy at the bar and you just went like that with your evangelism. And he's like, I think I've been evangelized. He doesn't know what's happened. You don't know what's happened. Like, and then you're worried about the negative reaction. Well, of course you're going to get a negative reaction, man. You like, what have you just done to the poor guy, man? He, he doesn't know. He, there's no, there's no child line. There's no Christian line. Like a Christian just chatting rubbish to me, treating me in some weird way. There's no one he can phone call to process that. He's stuck with that rubbish. You've walked away defeated, but that's because you've just done some stupid stuff. And then you walk Quite going, all right, so hard being a Christian. It's like, no, man, you've done that to yourself. For realsies, you've done that to yourself. Like, there's simple things that you can do with people. There are simple things that we can do to shine, to invite, to give. If you're on the City Hill mailing list because you filled out one of the, the Glad You're Here cards, you'll see that every month now, they didn't used to be, we have the three easiest ways to shine. The three easiest ways to, so we do one each month and they're different each time. So I'm not just gonna stick in the same three ideas. So if those three ideas were dead for you that month, I'm like, well, you're doing them again this month. That's not what's gonna happen. We're, we're, we're mixing up, you know what I mean? So like, there's, there's, ways, there's ways that you can shine. There's ways that you can shine. Like you don't, man, and there's ways you can invite. Like I do, I do dead invites. I'm not even gonna lie, man. I had one where someone goes to me like, oh, what are you doing over the weekend? And I go, same thing as you, going to sit here on Sunday. No, like, what? Like, man, I just dropped that out there. This, this week, I did a stupid thing on Facebook. I posted a, one of the pictures from, uh, I think, last Sunday of me sitting looking constipated. And um, I just wrote, I wrote on there, like, something about God doing something in my life. And then I put on there, um, City Hill is going to be lit tomorrow. And then I put, turn to someone on, live on Facebook chat and tell them City Hill's gonna be lit tomorrow. I did like the dead end pastor thing, but it's a bit of bands, people found it funny, you know what I mean? And then I messaged someone and they had the whole discussion with me like, how is church lit? What is lit? What does lit mean? And I was like, this is not how I intended. And, and it's in that moment that you start to realize like, you know what, maybe I just done the whole you've been tango thing and now we're not talking about Jesus anymore and we're talking about what's lit. And I'm like, oh, this conversation is what is not lit I can tell you that and it, it happens but you know what you explore things like I did some weird things in pubs man where I, I went to talk to people about Jesus and I, I fully regret those things like and I always had this thing in mind as a Christian like because evangelists stand on a stage and they try and seal the deal like this is the only moment in time this deal can take place because they always say there's a bus outside waiting to kill you and I can never I can never say that here because there's so many bus stops outside like if I say that here people might never leave like Fran will be like no 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 we need the tables to serve people and they'll be like but there's a bus outside waiting to kill me man I'm staying right here buses ain't coming through this then but they always do it they go you don't don't know what's going to happen. You could get hit by a bus today. Do you know that you will be in hell? Oh my days. They've done this. We need to blame them for some stuff, man. They've done some stuff to us, man, that makes it really difficult to talk about God. Because, like, which one is it? Is it the free? Is it 213? Is it the X26? Uh, if you're going to tell me a bus is going to kill me, tell me which one so I can dodge that thing, please. Always saying these kind of madness. But actually, sometimes it's really easy to do an invite. 
because sometimes all you have to do is you have to listen for the knots. This was one of the tips that we dropped to one of the emails. Listen for the knots. You're going to meet someone during a week who will say something to you like, man, I just, I did not expect that. I did not expect that. I did not expect that I would be losing my job this month. I did not expect that. I didn't expect that my mum was going to get, get cancer. I didn't expect that um, my budgie was just going to choke on that seed and die. I, I didn't expect, you know what I mean? When you hear those did nots, that is the moment, that is the moment. As soon as you hear a knot, as soon as you hear a knot, you just go, this is it. This is, this is that person. Like, you just need to start hearing that song. This is my moment. And that's it. As soon as you do that, it's like, it's like you just slide in with Christian game. And you're like, man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And because when you're, when you're trying to connect someone to somewhere they're not trying to go, it's, a, it's dead. It's so dead. But as soon as you hear someone's pain, someone's hurt, someone's suffering, and you wake up to it, you're like, oh, geez. You can go like, oh, man, you know what? I totally remember when I did not expect that my dad would have a heart attack at church on a Sunday night and I was put in the recovery position. I didn't expect that. But let me tell you about the God that saw me through it. It wasn't easy, but he was there with me the whole way. And let me invite this place full of people who did not expect things. And yet God is doing amazing things in their lives. It's a natural conversation. It's open-ended. It's not, she came on a Honda to keep to my Sierra to have a shandu. It's not. And it's not like, let's seal it, let's deliver it, right? Blood wash, blood rinse, blood this, blood that. It's not, it's just a normal conversation. Do you know what I love about Andrew in the Bible? And I'm thankful my parents, they named me after a disciple, and I think that's probably why I've got some of the calling I have upon my life, is Andrew just did three things. He only appears in, gospel, in John's Gospel like three times, except for being named, mentioned in a list. There's only three times he does anything. And you can see those three things as nothing. What he does is there's this little kid um, when there's no food, and he's like, oh, Jesus, hey, this kid's got a packed lunch. That's it, he just brings the kid to Jesus. There's this time these Greeks have got some problems, and he just brings it. And there's one other occasion where someone has something, he goes, let me just bring you to Jesus. That's all he does, man. That's all he does. But because we watch too many guys on a stage hype things up to some next levels, we try and do Pokemon. And we're trying to catch people. People need to live their own lives. You're not here to catch people. You're just here to go like, hey, this, this, this is Jesus. And this is my story. This is who I am. This is what happened to me. And man, it sucked, but he totally saw me, saw me through this. And they go, well, how can you trust him? You know what? I don't know. I just took it one step at a time. People don't do that. They go like, they just give you some, they talk to people in some unrealistic ways that they can't understand. I'm not saying it as in like, we've got it all together and I'm not really meaning to like, knock on, on church, because I love church. I love church more than anything in this world. But my thing is, like we have to understand that if someone hasn't grown up with weird conversations, they don't understand it. And actually what you end up doing is you end up pushing someone further from God instead of closer. And so my thing is, I don't want us to be a people that are shining some weird stuff that no one understands, inviting someone with a language they don't get. And it's hard to give, giving is living. Jesus said, those who keep hold of their life lose it. Those who give it, they keep it. It's hard to give your life for people in the way Jesus did if you're giving it in a way they're not appreciative of because they don't even understand what you're saying. And, and we hold, so, we hold like such a value on communicating Christianity in one way, like it's sacred. And it's not. Christianity's sacred. 
the language we use isn't. Christianity, I'm going to say it again, Christianity is sacred. The way we communicate it isn't. And I see it, I've grown up in Pentecostal charismatic churches, man. I've grown up in the Pentecostal movement and the charismatic zoo. And I've, I've, I've seen some weird stuff take place, some weird conversations. And I'm like, dang, when someone has to prophesy, like, how does it happen? How does it happen that the Holy Spirit, who is beyond our comprehension, who hovered over the waters, formed the world, created the universe, was in that partnership with God. How is it he's stuck in 16th century English? I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how he made the world and the universe, but he can't say anything other than thy, thee, and thou. I don't know. And I don't understand how when there's someone broken and in need of a word from the Lord, that it has to be about a mountain or a river. I don't know. I don't have these sorts of answers. I don't understand why someone's not prophesying and they're not saying, you know what, sunshine, it's like you're 3-0 down at half time, sunshine. God's here, you can turn it around. You get back out there, sunshine. He's with you, he's for you. Because you know what? The moment you do that, lives change. I did that in a school. You're not allowed to prophesy over kids in school. So I didn't. I walked in, I ran a Christian lunch club and I started saying to kids when he was like, oh, mate, I'm on my last chance, you're going to kick me out. You're 3-0 down at half time, sunshine. And God has got your back. And you're going to go out there, head down in class, no nonsense, no chat, and you're going to do it. And he's like, I can, I can. And then do you know what happened? Do you know what I did? I then got, I then got 20 kids in my CU, well, I think we had about seven at the time. I got seven kids, seven lads. And I said to him, listen, you're going to go out into your classes and you're going to start, I didn't say you're going to start prophesying over people. She came in a Honda, let's put your hands on someone's head. I said, you're going to say to them, you're free no down, sunshine. You pick out the kid that's messing up, screwing up and in trouble, and you say, you're freeing it down half time, you turn it around, so you can do it, you can do it, head down. And they all went out and did it. And the next, the next week I came in on a Wednesday and I said, so how did that go? And one of them goes, oh, I got knocked out. Um, and then he was just joking, he didn't get knocked out. And then they did that. And do you know what happened? The whole CU grew, because these kids started coming. And then one day a teacher walks into my CU and, and she goes, can I have a word with you outside? And I'm like, oh no, I'm in real trouble, man. What have I said? Like, I can't think of anything dodgy. Ah, oh, everything I've said is dodgy. What am I gonna lie? There's too many dodgy things I said to these kids. I could be, I should be locked away. And so I'm taking outside, I'm really scared. This teacher's talking to me. And then she says to me, do you realize who's in your class? And I'm like, like, well, no, I, I don't, like, can I do what I, like, what, why am I here? And then she goes to me, you've got every single naughty kid in the whole of year eight. And I went, well, thank you so much. You know what? That doesn't change a single thing I do. So I'm going to catch you later. And I walked straight back in my class. I'm like, why the hell did you tell me that? Do you think I care whether I've got all the kids in year eight? I'm thinking result. I'm going to turn these kids' lives around. Great. Fantastic. I've got them. They're saying that as in like, oh, be careful. Or you might want to change your approach. What do you mean change my approach? I'm a naughty kid magnet. I'm living the dream right now. I've got sinners left, right and center. I know I've got no saints in the room. Brilliant. Now I'm preaching to these guys. I'm getting these kids saved. But I'm going to do it step by step. And I'm going to talk in a language that they're going to talk in. And actually, the Holy Spirit comes and empowers us the same way empower Peter and John and those guys who talked real talk that at the time, those people around them understood. God wants you to speak this week words of knowledge he wants you to speak prophecy into people's lives he wants you to shine invite and give he wants you to give of yourself to the people you're going to meet who are broken and hurting and need someone to just listen not even to tell them this is what you've got to do people see these pastors who talk about this do this do that do that what like no no one wants that when they're hurting no one wants to hear what you've got to do like i know that from marriage my wife doesn't want me to tell her how to change things she just wants me to hear what she's saying and it's really hard to keep my mouth shut but that's what you have to do and that's giving is living because you're laying your life down as a sacrifice and you're hearing it and then you invite them and you use some normal language. Like, you know what? There's like, if like, you're a bit like me, I just go like, not, not any of you are waste men. You're all brilliant people. But I just go, yeah, my church is like, you know what I mean? We're just a bunch of like, 
waste my man. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not like we got it all together. We're just like trusting Jesus, taking it a step at a time. And they're like, what? Like, no one gets it. Like, they're a bit confused about it. But I'm cool with that. And then shining. Shining life. Every day is Sunday. I'm going to pick on that one today, actually. Because actually one of the key things we need to do in life is we have to find a day where we rest. Because actually, when you don't rest properly, you just end up walking around um, like a nutter. And you're not shining for Jesus when you're a nutter. Because you're just an angry nutter at work that no one will ever listen to you. Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I'm going to pray for us. That'll be it for today. Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Father, that you keep it real and you speak our, our language. I thank you, Father, that we looked at Psalm 2 and your inheritance is the nations. I thank you that we today are a reflection of a fulfilled prophecy where, that you have completed. Um, that we are all from different nations. Not a single person here is of Hebrew descent this morning. I'm going to go out on a limb that none of us are Hebrew descent or Jewish people, which just goes to show the power of what you spoke in that original time and that you are still doing that today and you empowered them by your Holy Spirit. I pray you would empower us by your Holy Spirit um, and that we would be connectors for your kingdom and that we would be inviters, that we would shine in people's lives and that we would give of ourselves that those who we meet this week who are hurting um, will receive something from you. They don't have to receive the whole package, just something wonderful from you, Lord. Um, Empower us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool.